0: we did try try again
1: or yeah, yeah this is Family electric ghost and we're live on the air on our facebook and youtube channels and twitch channels with troy hadid you can check them out at troy and then uh, what we want to let people know is we are on um, newsly which is an ios app and so you can Listen to this podcast after we're done on Newsly, and you can stop scrolling and start listening. Use coupon code GHOST, and you get one month free premium subscription. So, welcome to the show, Troy. How are you doing tonight?
0: Yeah, I'm really good, Ghost. Thanks for having me. You know, it's um, last time I came on, we had some technical issues, and um, we seem to be okay. So, I'm just really glad and honored to be here and able to share.
1: Thanks. So, you were born. So you're born in Trinidad are you in Trinidad right now or are you Yeah I'm
0: in, yeah I'm in Trinidad right now and and um I've lived here for most of my life I've traveled quite a bit but what's funny is that where I live is like in a forest on the north coast and the internet there is shot so mm-hmm. I I come into town to get better reception and sometimes that doesn't quite work either
1: but yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. I think I tried to fix it on my side. I I, I boosted my signal. But yeah. um, so, so, so you've, I, I was reading in your bio, and you said you wrote your first letter to the editor at age 10. You've taught yoga internationally for 15 years. You've founded several successful businesses, including a hemp store, a, re, a waste oil recycling business, and a yoga studio. Yeah. And you walk coast to coast across Central America you navigated the world on a ship and um, you've been trying to make the most uh, of the human experience and you want to help others because you're a social entrepreneur. That's what you would call yourself, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Among, among everything, other things, but um, definitely from an entrepreneurial standpoint, anything that I step into, I have to know that there's going to be a positive impact on society that Mm -hmm. that social impact has to go above profit always to Mm -hmm. me. And um, sometimes profit takes a hit. And um, so so my definition of a successful (laughs) business is not always, maybe it's not always financially successful, but it's energetically successful, you know?
1: Yeah, well, being a yeah. musician, a lot of times what we do is like, it's not commercially it's successful a lot of the times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, of like, it, it, Being a musician, it, 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 it's really like an artistic thing. We do it because we love it and if it works, yeah. that's fine, but we're not going to stop doing it. So I can get, I, I, it has the same kind of mindset. We're doing it because we believe in, in what we're working on. We believe the yeah. project that we're working on, whether it It resonates with people or not, and that kind of could be like the profitability, whether we make a profit or not. We still had a good time putting it together.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I have to tell you, Ghost, like now having spent three, three, four years, well, three years writing a book and now finalizing that book and crafting it to get to market, I have a whole new respect for artists of all (laughs) kinds. Yeah. Because you know, to, to put all your energy and soul and everything you have into something without knowing what's gonna come of it. Without knowing whether someone's ever gonna read your book or listen to your song or whether you'll even get paid a dollar. Like like there's no guaranteed reward. But to be an artist is to put your entire being into something without knowing. And um I have a whole new respect for artists on a whole.
1: A lot of it is because we love to do it. Like one thing, I'm a keyboardist, right? And so I've been playing keyboards since I was like 17, I'm 55. Yeah. And I've been in bands and all kinds of things. And I just decided that I was gonna create this thing called Phantom Electric Ghost, which basically took all the things I'd ever done and then became my vehicle to just write music all by myself, kind of like a Stevie Wonder or a Prince, I just put everything together and I had been in bands yeah. and I decided I was going to take ownership and I was going to write everything. I'm going to play everything. I'm going to produce everything and became this kind of project. And then the, in order to, to, to actually support it, I started podcasting.
0: And yeah. then
1: the podcasting actually keeps my music going because like you said, you can work on something for two years and you have no idea whether you're going to make money. Yeah. Where on my podcast I'm actually monetized. And my, you know, I've got ways to monetize myself with sponsors and stuff. So I'm able to make money doing that. And then it it helps support my other enterprise. So you'll notice that a lot of musicians and artists, we have day jobs or other jobs that support what we do unless we're like, you know, somehow we have a trust fund. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah
0: yeah I got um a little glimpse into the world of artists, and it was um it brought out so much respect, you know
1: well the old yeah. systems used to like studios would support us right in yeah. if you went back in the sixties and the seventies even eighties like artists would get signed, but the thing is it was kind of like a trap because they give you. They give you like a stipend, they give you your money, right? They'd say, but you'd have to make it back. So basically they give you a contract and it sounds good, right? It could be millions of dollars. But what happens in that contract is that if you don't recoup that, you don't get paid again. Yeah. So an artist might come in as a kid, as 17 or 18 in a young band and they get $2 million, but then they spend $4 million and they never earn the $2 million. So they never get paid again.
0: Yeah, yeah. And now, now, well, well, what I'm learning about now is the whole literary world. And now, from what I understand, it's so very similar because it's like you want a traditional publishing deal, right? Because they pay you upfront and they take your rights and then you get royalties if you recover that investment for them. Yeah. But then there's now self-publishing, which is the market is changing so much that if you can create a product, self-publish, and market it yourself, that um, you know the financial rewards could be even more promising than a traditional yeah. deal. Oh, well,
1: yeah, because the financial reward, like on the old studio system, sometimes you only got 30% of what what the company is actually making. Then yeah. if you go out as an independent artist and you put yeah. all the money up front, you could get 80 90%. Yeah, of course. So it's the same kind of flip. Like a lot of times, they're like you know, the the music industry, they would do a sixty forty, where they're getting sixty and you're getting forty, or it's eighty yeah. twenty and you're getting eighty and you're getting twenty. And you yeah. got like a big upfront pay, but then the only way you make money is you have to tour. You have to yeah. tour, and you have to you have to do licensing. You have to do commercials. That's how you make the money. Yeah. And then it, within COVID, it was very hard for musicians to tour. Because yeah. they couldn't get in the venues. And if they could get in the venue, they couldn't get the venue to the number of people in the venue to make it profitable to even go. Yeah. You have to actually fill that venue like 80, 90% to make any money.
0: Yeah. If you fill it 20%, yeah.
1: there's no point in doing it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's been difficult for a lot of artists. But, like, I made a decision in 2016 to go totally online like the Beatles. You know, the Beatles stopped touring. Yeah, they they actually became just a studio band, and when they did like Abbey Road and they did the White Album, they were they weren't touring anymore, so they just wow. focused on the on the art. Yeah, and they never they never played live again because they yeah. didn't like the experience because they were getting mobbed. But yeah, I decided to just go whole hog into just doing online music, online concerts, online. Uh, festivals and podcasting and uh, yeah. I used to go to new york and go to boston but my overhead was expensive i'd yeah. have to pay for hotels and pay for the tour pay for the roadies and you know some clubs they wouldn't pay You know they they'd undercount how many people were there mm-hmm. like say so you're, you're a musician you go to a club they, they, they say you know you see there's like over capacity and they say it was 500 people when it was like 1200 yeah so they yeah. tried to You know, cut you on it, so it's it's a it's a cutthroat business. So you always Mm got to be careful. Like, like is your distributor really giving you your real numbers? Yeah, yeah. In anything, if you're a musician or an artist, or even a like in the movies, like when that gets distributed to all the different platforms, are you actually getting a piece of that money, or you not getting a piece of that money? Yeah, yeah. Depends on your contract. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then you know, yeah. for me, I mean, I, I think a musician, I don't know. I've I've never really considered myself an artist, right? Even though even as a yoga teacher, some people would say, Yeah, Yo, you're an artist. Like what Yeah, that is it? an art. art.
1: Yeah, right? it's an art.
0: But I know with me with writing, it's like what I want, and, and I mean I I'm sure every artist is different, but for me it's like I want hundreds of thousands of books changing the lives of hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah, and yeah. for me the 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 yeah, sure you want to get paid, but that is definitely not what drives me. Um what drives me is that I want I know this book has the potential to change lives, you know, and to impact people. And that um that above all is what drives me absolutely. I don't know if a so musician like the same.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, when we yeah. write a song, like a lot of times what we're trying to do, if you think about it, you know, music is very impactful. The Beatles like spawned almost the, the whole 21st century worth of music, right? Yeah. Most yeah. modern band will name yeah. check the Beatles as the reason yeah. why they actually became a musician, right? Yeah. And so, and so like, it's like some bands are just inspirational and not that they were trying to do that, but they just felt like they should do something more. And they were kind of the original teeny uh, teen band. They yeah. were like a boy band that yeah. became a serious artistic enterprise, which it doesn't usually happen. Like most mm-hmm. teenage bands do not go and become critically acclaimed songwriters, they don't yeah. become like a Lennon McCartney. That, yeah. that, you know so that's like the goal as a musician is to get considered to be like a Leonard McCartney or a Dylan or a Hendrix or you're know, like a Jim Morrison like you could get considered like an iconic songwriter that writes the song not to be a number one hit but to actually have a societal impact
0: yeah you know? yeah yeah
1: so I yeah. think a writer like so is your strategy with, with your book on speaking engagements to do are you going to do that is that how you are going to push it
0: yeah 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 of course i mean um well i've been started doing some speaking engagements i mean i do teach yoga a lot and then of course doing podcasting i've realized is um an amazing way to grow my audience and reach people that i couldn't reach yeah. otherwise right because mm-hmm. i am in trinidad and i do travel quite a bit but um is Intr- like a little bubble, right? So my reach is limited unless I actually go out and make yeah. an effort to expand, expand reach and grow reach. Um, which yeah. is how I started doing these podcasting interviews, you know.
1: Yeah, because podcasting can get you a global reach. You know, that's what happened to me. Yeah. Is, you know, I, I I now have uh people I work with in Japan and Germany, you know, yeah. Israel, like UK. Everywhere, Trinidad. Yeah, and, now. Yeah, you know, you know Trinidad, like in New Hampshire, is like a little tiny town, little tiny, mm-hmm. tiny place in the USA. I, my yeah. my 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 music does not resonate in my hometown. Yeah, my music actually resonates more around the world. I can't get an audience in my hometown. Yeah, it's not funny? get An audience in the US, Boston. You know, but that's the yeah. way the world is. Today. I don't I don't have to. But 20 years ago, I would have had to. People yeah. would say, well, you came to your hometown, so how are you going to come to Boston? It's like, well, yeah. it's kind of reversed. It's like Boston is where my, my audience is in Boston, or New York, or in Tokyo or Berlin. Yeah. So you kind of got to go to where they are. If I go on a tour, I'm probably going to go to Iceland or the Netherlands or Australia more than play somewhere like Manchester, New Hampshire. I, I won't get an audience there, but I could get an audience in Australia. I yeah, could get an yeah, audience yeah. in the Netherlands. That, that's, yeah. that's, that's kind of weird thing the way the world is
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely I remember um, I once took some friends students up to um, Canada and uh, they were so shocked to be like these people like they treat you like a celebrity and I'm just a yoga teacher in a yoga studio and they were like, so shocked because back at home like I'm just Troy right and no one really takes you on mm-hmm. too much um, but it, it's so, yeah, it's yeah. so interesting that we get more appreciation outside of home than we do at home, you know, and when you make that's, it outside yeah. of home and come back, that's when you get the appreciation.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's yeah. interesting. Cause like, even like when I come back, it's still going to be more, more people lost it will know me than people in Concord. Cause like the thing about New Hampshire, is kind of a folk scene and I'm an experimental yeah. electronic musician. So yeah. I'm going to get more people in New York and Boston to be into it. Cause those are urban areas. and I'm in a very rural yeah. area. They're not as much into what I do. So that's mm-hmm. just kind of the nature of it. But at a certain point, like your hometown will want to claim you if you get like a super level of, 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 of notoriety. So that yeah, you do yeah. have a pattern where even if m- people are not into electronic music in my area, they're more into folk yeah. music. If I ever hit, like, like a, a good number one song, I guess, some kind of article in the New York Times, then all oh, people, then they want to claim me. They say, oh, I know the ghost. It's like, <laughs> but they didn't know yeah. me yesterday.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that's okay. I guess that's just the way it goes. That's the way it goes, you know. And, yeah. um, I understand, I understand, you know?
1: But yeah. so are you, um, you're thinking like your online strategy is your primary strategy. And then if you were going to go internationally somewhere, would you go to Europe or would you go to Asia or would you go Central America? Where, where would you start with who do you think your core audience would be?
0: Um, I would probably want to start in the U.S. or Europe um, and then go from there. You know, mm-hmm. I think I think I have a bit of an audience. I think because I have a presence on this website called Gaia.com, I don't know if you've heard of it, a bit, mm-hmm. but it's like Netflix mm-hmm. of New Age, yoga kind of vibes, that kind of stuff. Cool. So because I do, mm-hmm. I've had a presence on Gaia. Yeah. Yeah, because I've had a presence on Gaia for the last six or seven years. um, I do have quite Mm -hmm. a following in both Europe and and North America, you know, way more of a following than I realize. I remember once I went Mm -hmm. to teach in England and um, I was so shocked at the amount of people that came out. And some people drove three days just to come and do class. (laughs) And I was like, how the hell do you even know who I am? you know well Um, the net
1: the net the net is you know like you're if you're on like the the instagram or you're on facebook or you're a youtuber and you're on some youtube platform like if you're on a youtube platform and you're one of the people that's bringing in numbers and then you hey i'm gonna be in new york city you'd be surprised one time i went to new york and i had people that showed up that were ghost fans and i didn't expect them to and they were singing my songs and i'm like, what? And I'm like, yeah. I didn't expect it because you know, it just you you never know. But uh, yeah, that's what you know. I think when you're an artist or a musician or a creator, and people actually resonate with what you're doing, yeah, it, it's very satisfying. You know, when musicians yeah. we kind of get instant feedback because <clears throat> yeah. like if we go to do a show, we can immediately see the response to what we created. Yeah, because it's like a love thing that's evolving. <laughs> And then, you know, I guess when you're teaching yoga, you would, you would get that same kind of response. It's like, a, you are know, acting with your students and you're going to get that immediate kind of performance response, which is yeah. really similar from what yeah, I can
0: Yeah, absolutely. Feel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, and, and when I, when I, the manner in which I teach yoga and when I teach yoga, like you feel it, it's like you're in it with them, right? There's, there, there is no longer separation between teacher and student. Um, so everything mm-hmm. kind of merges. That it's amazing experience, and you can feel that they feel it. And um, yeah, that is just so beautiful, you know, in and of itself.
1: It's yeah. like a you know, it's the physical art. Like if you're teaching anything, like you're teaching a martial art, or you're teaching Tai Chi. I think that when you're, you're a musician, right, if you're if you're kind of with your fans, your yeah. fans are kind of they're feeling the beat, they're watching what you do. Yeah. So as musicians, we've kind of learned each craft. We yeah. you learn a little bit of theater as you become yeah. a musician. You learn to like, well, if I project my hands in certain ways, if I use my body in certain ways instead of just standing straight. Like a musician, typically, yeah. we would probably want to just focus on the, on the music, and then yeah. we probably wouldn't move a lot just so we yeah. would focus on music. As you become a performer, you start to realize there's reasons why Freddie Mercury was as emphatic as he was, or Prince was as emphatic, or yeah. Michael Jack. The great performers is they don't just sing the song and don't just play the instrument. They project and use theater and use yeah. dance. Yeah, interact with and, the audience. So I would think that's a similar feature to what you guys you, yeah. you do with your your people, the people you work with. I would think
0: it's similar, ghost. But you know what? Like I also teach teachers, right? So I certify and teach teachers to teach, and I think um, the difference between like your art form and my art form, and or the art form of teaching yoga, is what I often tell teachers is my role is to disappear. Like my role, my right. So, my role as a, I know in the world of yoga now, they have some yoga teachers that are more like entertainers. But, Mm -hmm. but in order to have the power of yoga come through you, come into the room, me as a teacher, I have to disappear and get out, get my own head out my ass. And I have to (laughs) almost dissolve. So I can create as little distraction as possible so that the power of yoga and breath itself Mm -hmm. can come through the room, right? Come into the room. And I think this may be a difference between our art forms, which is is really beautiful because your art form is to be part of it and lift it up, right? To entertain. Mm -hmm. Whereas my art form now is to do almost the opposite.
1: You know. Yeah. Can we kind of like you know as we we try to find like a, a the muse or the universal yeah. key, right? A lot of times I'm, I'm a very experimental musician, so I tend to go with the feeling. Right. I might yeah. have a set piece jazz. It's more like fusion, mm-hmm. right? So I yeah. don't totally get caught up in the original structure of my song. Yeah. I I kind of rinse. I kind of feel what I feel for that day and what I sound like might not be the way I, I was, I, I was uh, sounding the day before. And yeah. so a lot yeah. of it is inspired by the audience. I yeah. kind of pick up what energy they're giving off. Yeah, And uh, yeah. I'm, I'm part of American Cherokee and Blackfoot. And I feel like I can kind of pick up energy and I kind of know, and it's very unspoken. It's like a lot of the musicians we talk, I work with, we all talk about what we're doing. We just kind of yeah. just do it. And we kind of, yeah. just the crowd, and we kind of just, like, you can look at each other, and I don't have to even say anything if I look at my bass player or I look at the drummer. It's unspoken indication. It's it yeah. really because we've been playing so long that we can pick yeah. it up, and we also feel what the crowd's doing. And we can We can make yeah. adjustments based on the feedback that we're feeling. So we feel like it's a give and take, you know? Yeah. They have to give me kind of like that positivity for me to feel good. If I get in a crowd that's like not positive, I can kind of feel yeah. it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. So so then in that way, you know, it it's so much similar in that aspect of it. Absolutely. That you kind of become one with the crowd as well and you feed off of it and you allow, you know, how I would describe it. And again, again goes like I'm not a musician, right? So maybe... Maybe this isn't exactly accurate, but I would imagine as a musician as well, like if you're in your head, you get in your own way. Whereas when you get out of your head, there's something that comes through you and you start to channel something that comes through you. And I would imagine that's when it becomes really magic, you
1: know? Does that resonate? Yeah, I think a lot of performance, if you even, yeah, yeah, that's totally what it yeah. is because, like, I've talked to, like, you know, actors, they're kind of, mm-hmm. like, they they do a lot of ad hoc capability. If they were, like, actors, like, off-Broadway actors, right? And yeah. they can do one act and they'll interpret their lines based on the way yeah. they feel or the, based on what the crowd has given them, and it'll kind of change the whole thing. And musicians yeah. are the same way. It's like we feel that moment. And one day it's like it's like you are a representation of everything you've ever done, right? Yeah. And then what's going on in 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 the in the universe. And a lot of us as musicians, like sometimes subconsciously stuff just comes through, or it comes from the ether, or it comes from the muse, or it comes from the universe. And if you ask, ask us, we we're cons. Like yeah. people will say, well, did you know you were going to do that? It's like, no, because we kind of just, if you're, when you're a really good musician, you let, you are a channel and you channel yeah. what um, comes into you and your ability to play your instrument, but you feel like something else is actually giving you those, that, 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 And, um, really that's what it is. We're not trying to force my mind on it. I'm kind of trying to be open and feel it and then kind of push it out because it's coming in and out and it's very transferring, yeah. you know, it's going yeah. both ways.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, so very similar in that aspect.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, classical musician is like not so much that they read the sheet music, they're kind of tied to the sheet. You get some musicians yeah. like session musicians, they're kind of tied to the structure if you get you yeah. know, jazz musicians or improvisational musicians blues guys we we kind of go with the feeling yeah. we go with whatever the feeling is and it changes and you know yeah. we can't tell you what we're going to do like i don't even know my set list sometimes it's like i'll just go off and do something i don't was like I, i'm not gonna tell you what it is
0: <laughs> yeah 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 absolutely absolutely yeah i come i actually come from a family so- of musicians and um, I've just never, um, I've never dabbled myself too much.
1: Well, I think the creative effort to write a novel is not that different. I think a, a music, the way I look at music is like a short story or a novel. Like when you're a musician, you're telling a story. You're just telling yeah. it like orally through yeah. through your music. And when you put yeah. it down on the page, now we put our lyrics on the page. We'll write them up but you know yeah. it's, it's shorter it's like poetic It's more like poems yeah. it's, a, it's a bunch yeah. of poems you could become an epic poem you could end up writing like a rock opera and it's like an epic poem so some music yeah. can get to the point where you have songs that are all connected and it's telling a story over a longer period of time yeah. um, the kind of music I like to go into that I Like they're kind of like big stories that mm-hmm. kind of cross over um, yeah. but I think, uh, you know, if once you get into a creative space, whether you're a painter, an actor or a novelist, you're into that kind of creative energy that you know, you're inspired by something and you're, you know, you're kind of represented. Maybe talk about what you're doing with your book more in more detail.
0: Yeah, well, um, my book is called Popcorn in My Pocket. And um, it is complete. It's now with a final editor, and it's making its way to market, looking for a publisher and an agent. And what the book is about, Ghost, is... um, And I'm sure everyone can relate to this a little bit. I know your name is a little catchy, and you hear your name, you're like, well, popcorn in my pocket. What's that about? Well, it's an... uh, an analogy and think of popcorn as all these spiritual insights and teachings and ideologies that we hear about in the world now. And popcorn is everywhere, right? There are all these spiritual teachings and things going on Mm -hmm. and everyone's throwing them all over the place. And a pocket is a spiritual pocket. And every individual has their own unique spiritual pocket. And what I see happening in the world now is that We're repeating and we're sharing and we're reposting all of these amazing quotes or ideologies or teachings, but we're not really understanding them. We're not really taking time to embody them Mm -hmm. and ask a question, well, how does this apply to my life? What does this actually mean? How can I embody this more? And only when you do that and you take the popcorn and you put it in your pocket, does it become knowledge. Only then does it become real understanding, you know? So in this book, I talk about certain teachings and realizations that I've come to in my life that also that have been shared with me, but I share stories about how they show up and how they apply to my life. And then hope to invite the reader to ask the same questions. I don't want the reader taking my popcorn and throwing it around. I want them taking my popcorn Hmm. and using that to discover their own epiphanies, their own realizations, their own insights, you know?
1: It's kind of like the idea I had a liberal arts education and it's like the the concept was holistic thinking right so we read camus we read shakespeare we read all this classic stuff but then when we had exams it wasn't a multiple choice it was a blue book and we had to explain to our professor did we get it did we understand what he had been trying to teach us all semester and and you know it's no choice he wants you to write an essay to explain that knowledge and really that's that's the real difference today like if you think about it like are you going to do an elevator pitch or can you actually have a really intellectual conversation or a conversation did you get yeah. get it or did you just get the cliff notes yeah, right sure. did you just get that little popcorn piece and you all you can do is do a little tweet and yeah, just a high I'm level sure. you really don't yeah, you don't really know it.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it, it's, you know, this... Now, don't get me wrong. I, I say this, but it's not a bad thing. But the spiritual journey or the path towards realization has become cool. It's hype, right? It's it's a new thing <laughs> to be, a new yeah. thing to do. And that's not a bad thing. That is an amazing thing. But it's really important that... that people start to look beneath the surface to really ask the questions well what does this mean and more importantly goes you know mm-hmm. this I always point this out because it's really important it's very easy if you if you give me teachings that show me how to live from a place of love it's very easy for me to look at the areas in my life in which I embody that and I live from a place of love but that's not where my growth lies my growth lies in being able to look at the areas of my life where I don't live from a place of love. Right? Yeah. To look into Some my own shadow. Yeah, my yeah. own shadow, my own darkness, my own misalignments. And that's where our growth lies. And we're not doing they, that. Well, know, of, we're not doing that enough.
1: One of the things yeah. I've really always been into is Victorian poetry and there's a concept of the looking glass. Yeah, where you you look in the looking glass so you can other you, and that other yeah. you might be a darker you, might be a lighter you because you're already dark. But, but it's actually going to challenge what you just said. It's like yeah, trying to just be the perfect person that's easy. You're trying to be good, right? But actually yeah. acknowledging your faults, or acknowledging yeah. what you don't know, and yeah. acknowledging where where it gets up. A little more complicated, people have to touch that. They don't like yeah. to go there. And that's where yeah. you actually, the, the progress is not in your success. It's not in the things that you, you win. If you lose and you new, learn how to respond to the loss, is yeah. how you grow. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. From your failures, is how you get to your successes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think
0: what's partially to blame about the avoidance course is, um, you know, I, I say all the time, we need to make accountability more accessible. You know, right. and the cancel culture has done, done this thing with accountability where that if I lift my hand and I say it's my fault, I get castrated. <laughs> I yeah. guess ripped apart, right? Whereas, if somebody steps up and says, "Yo, I made a mistake. I could, I should have done better," we should clap because that shows so much. Yeah, but now growth. everybody's gonna be perfect. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. No one's perfect, dude. We all make mistakes. People, so, well, yeah. it,
1: well, people yeah, spend so, so much time, you know. Go ahead,
0: yeah, and um, you know we need to make I think there's a lot of, of times yeah, sorry. yeah, you go, you go, our connections get an best of us
1: I think people want to, want to be a perfect person, right, yeah, they won't have any mistakes, not have any any secrets in their closet, they don't they don't wanna reveal that, they're scared to reveal it, uh, they don't wanna get pushed down or they don't want it getting found out or. And and the problem is, is like like I said, the growth happens from your failure. And if you're scared to tell people you made a mistake, if you're yeah. scared to admit that you made a mistake, spend all your perfect, you know. In in music, the example is like people try to create perfect mixes, yeah. when the reality is some of the greatest music ever created has errors in it, has all yeah. kinds of mistakes in it. And the yeah. people, a lot of the people today are making music that's kind of soulless. Because they're editing out all the things that make something a point in time beautiful piece of art. And a lot yeah, of times they take, the they... music is beautiful because it errors.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then you know. people aren't taking risks, right? So it's like this cookie, cookie yeah. cutter kind of comfortable kind of music, That's I would imagine. Tony. Yeah. Yeah, you, you know and what I... works in just Yeah, I think we as a culture need to, I don't like the word normalize, but we need to make mistakes and wrongdoings and even failures more acceptable so that we make the acknowledgement of it and the accountability of it so much more accessible that people can willingly step into it. And not to to bring up like all really charged story but one of my favorite individuals in hollywood is will smith and that's because mm-hmm. what i what i see in will smith is a human being that is willing to be accountable and own his mistakes like he makes mistakes he's effed up big time but he's the first one mm-hmm. to put his hand up and say man i'm sorry I should have known better,
1: you know? Yeah, well, I think that's the big thing because, like, a lot of times, um, you know, if you're you're an individual and you make a big error... Yeah. uh, ...are are cautious. They're not willing to take risks because, like, you can make a choice. You could do the wrong film, right? You could say the wrong thing, right? you got to get slammed. So if you have an opinion... The thing is, like the thing of when when you're a mu- any kind of artist, right? You you go and mm-hmm. you do something. You're gonna get people that hate it. You yeah. you you can't avoid it, right? and so you can't go run it away just because people don't like it. You have to stand yeah. up for like, okay, at this point in time, this what is what I was into, and you don't have to apologize yeah. for it. It's like this is a growth, right? This is the growth of of of, of a person. Yeah, you're gonna have you're going to have unhappiness you're going to make choices where you go one way or the other you got to make decisions yeah. and when you make those decisions you got to take the ownership for them. like so you made a decision yeah. and you did the wrong thing right are you going to yeah. get crucified for it or are you going to say like hey i can i'm a human being i can make a mistake i can move on
0: you know mm-hmm. yeah absolutely And, um, you know, it it even comes on, goes into like our relationships, our day-to-day relationships that we need to give the people in our life the space to make mistakes and stop trying to punish each other all the time when we make mistakes and just encourage one another to do better. And, um, you know, I have this um, definition of forgiveness where... I define forgiveness as believing somebody could do better and be better, even when they don't know they need to be, or they don't know how. Right? And it's um, just yeah, yeah, believing in one
1: another. I, I think it's that they also think Sometimes forgiveness is on somebody else's timetable, right? Yeah. Right. So, like so it, like you might feel that they need to apologize right now. But in their mind, they might not be ready. Yeah. Right? If they're not ready, what are you going to do? Right? They they, they might not be ready from a maturity point point of view. Right? They might not be mature enough to be ready to know what they did.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, you're going into a whole, this could be a whole different convo on forgiveness and love and stuff. But to me, forgiveness doesn't depend on an apology at all. Right? Um, but that could be a whole nother 45
1: minutes on this.
0: That could be a whole nother Mm convo.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, Yeah. I guess it's a different perspective depending on where you are. Like if you if you fully like understand your actions, because I'm a I'm a Buddhist, right? So we believe in the law of cause and effect. Yeah. So a lot of times like you'll do something, and as a Buddhist, like like you realize, like, okay. If I make this, no, I could be unconscious of the action, but ultimately I'm still responsible for the action. Yeah. And so you still have to be aware of -hmm. the things that you do. And then when you have to own up to, I might have been unconscious of what the consequences were, but I have to be responsible to understand I still did the action that caused the thing to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's a different type of mindset, right? It's a different mindset where say, well, you know, I can be forgiven. Like, okay, there's a the cause and effect, and it's kind of like a natural law and it, that's what happens. And yeah, you might not of be course. forgiven in this lifetime for what you did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know,
0: Absolutely. And then easy to happen. Yeah. And then um I agree one hundred percent. And what I like to point out as well, Ghost, is that you know sometimes we forget it's easy to point at someone and say you should know better. But not everyone had someone to teach them better or to show Mm -hmm. them better or to love them better. Like, no, having someone to show you and teach you and love you is a privilege. And not everyone has that. And and if we come to understand that, you know, everyone is simply um, a product of their experiences and their conditioning, and that if somebody knew better, chances are they would do better. Um, then forgiveness becomes so much yeah. more accessible, you
1: know? Yeah, my major in college was sociology, which is like the study yeah. of of human societal groups. It's not like psychology, And you look at the ideas like Anno, me When somebody is affected by like being kind of in a dislocated position in society, right? Yeah. So they might have parents that didn't teach them or grandparents that didn't teach them or in a socioeconomic position that they don't know better because yeah. they're in the rough part of town or they're in the yeah. the privileged part of town. And in the privileged part of town they don't have empathy. Yeah. Right. But in the but you can have the same consequence in 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 the harder part of town. You could still have yeah. two people Right at different levels, mm-hmm. and the different societal study, like in sociology, is like, How does this animal me happen? How do you actually yeah. get disconnected from yourself and society and then get into certain behaviors that can be affected by crowds? Convected, you know, why does a riot happen? Why do people suddenly lose control of their own mind and get into a group mind? How does that happen? Yeah. And it's interesting to to look at that because there's a lot of societal dynamics now that we're in all this social media. People get into an online group, online riot. Yeah. (laughs) Into like an online riot mentality.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And, I mean, we could talk for a long time about this course, but to me it's also like we have to look at the what I refer to as the concept of identity. Like our individual identity, to me, I will not call it a lie because a lie is something that is told intentionally to deceive. But the biggest part, the biggest misinformation that we've been told our entire lives is the reality that I am Troy and this is my body because if i am Troy and this is my body that makes us separate and then what we start to do is we start to identify with things like our opinions and our careers. so all of a sudden if my opinion is different to your opinion all of a sudden that's like i'm being attacked and we're separate teams Because I have identified so strongly with who I think I am. But in reality, that's not really who I am. Like, I could be, I could go and change. Right now, I'm Troy. I'm on your podcast and I'm Troy. Next week, I could change my name. I could come on your podcast and my name could be John. But I'm still the same person. Well, you're the
1: individual. But Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a, yeah, there's a whole thing in society, like in Western society, there's a lot of focus on the individual. Yeah. And the yeah. individual is responsible for a lot of things. Right? Yeah. When when you get into more Eastern societies, there's more of a kind of a the feel. Yeah. There's more of a societal feel and a societal responsibility. Right. Yeah. So if you're an individual, like, why are you responsible for my own fate? And I don't yeah. need to be connected to anybody. And I can do it myself, right? And my opinion is more important than anybody else's opinion. So, yeah. but if my opinion is destructive to multiple people, that doesn't matter because my opinion is so is so important in an individualist baby. That it doesn't matter if I'm harming other people. My opinion is, is more important. Yeah, of and, course. And so I'm that be- that become that becomes very destructive. You know,
0: <laughs> yeah, it just it just creates all this separation and all this otherness, right? And then we want to know, well, why world is the way it is? Well, world is the way it is because we bought into this narrative that we're separate, and that I am my individual and I am this body. Now, when I buy into that, what happens? Go consciously or unconsciously. What happens is that every decision I make is driven by the preservation of my body. It's driven by my individual needs and desires. Because if I am Troy and this is my body, then that means when my body ceases to exist, it means I will cease to exist. And for me, that's not a narrative I buy into because I believe that energetically the resonance and vibration of our choices and our lives will live forever, and that yeah, I will live long after. Course. Yeah, of course.
1: Yeah, we believe we have in reincarnation, and our you know our karma goes back generations from the beginning, and you get generational karma. You have yeah. energy that never gets destroyed. In the scientific ways, like if your energy and your is inside you the energy that represents who you are or your whole family or whole group of people who have the same kind of vibe, right? Yeah. That goes on forever. Yeah. So it's whether you have that positive energy that's going on forever or the negative or in between you have shades in between the, the yin and the yang and the positive and the negative and the good and the bad. And so that is your whole struggle. In the energy world, it's like, you, how far are you going positive? How far are you going negative? How are you kind of blending, right? And right. It's that kind of blending that is where you have, like, some things are not going to the extremes. When things are more yeah. blended and more to the to the center, you can actually have a society that can work. When things are to the poles, then you have more friction.
0: Yeah, yeah, 100. And then, of course, you know, even Einstein said it. Science says it. Energy, energy cannot be created nor destroyed. It merely changes state. So so we, the way I see it now is yep. we ourselves as individuals have to be so much in alignment. You know, we have this thing in, in New Age culture where we like to avoid negative energy. Or we like to avoid negative experiences. But I always say about how about make sure you as an individual are in so much alignment that when you walk into a space of negative energy, you change it. You shift the energy of that space because you are so powerful in your right that we can take that negative energy and we can shift it, right? We can be alchemists. And I think that is, um, that is ultimately what we need to be doing in a world today.
1: It's kind of like a spiritual judo, right? Somebody yes. comes at you <laughs> and you can reverse it, right? So the idea yeah. is you can take negative energy and you don't run from it. You run toward it. And yeah. then you take yeah. it like a spiritual judo and, and you, you kind of you know, flex and isn't doesn't hurt you and doesn't destroy you, but you have to accept it. You have to yeah. touch it. You have to kind of flex yeah. it. Right, You can't yeah. deal with it by avoiding it. You have to no. actually engage. This is the problem with there's people try to avoid it and then it just builds up. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. You can't ever really avoid that exact things that exist. They're there. And they're going to yeah. bite you if you don't deal with them.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, you know, if we want to bring light to the world, if you want to be a light in the world, you can't just stay in the light. You have to walk into the darkness. You have to bring light to the darkness, which means you can't avoid the darkness. You have to walk into it and and not just walk into mm-hmm. it like with judgment and punishment. Like you're not there to, to judge all the darkness in the world. You're there to make that darkness see light. You're there to uplift it and shift it. You know, not... Punish, punish misalignments, but change
1: them. Yeah, because I think think the history of humankind has been that people come in and they think they're going to come in and cleanse it. And then that cleanse tends to be kind of violent, right? Yeah. Where they don't, your point of view is come in and you understand it and you come in with, with compassion and empathy. Yeah. Yeah. Not in coming in from a top down approach is I'm going to eradicate and cleanse it and force them to my mindset, which is the only right way. And that tends exactly. to be like in the history of humankind is that like I think their their method, their philosophy or their religion is the only way.
0: Yeah. yeah. So when they come yeah. in
1: with that, that's the only way there's not a lot of room <laughs> yeah of course and you know you know both I not, always with this, with this.
0: yeah I always um I always talk about this tattoo I have on my hand I don't know if you can see there you can't read it that's for sure anyway it's an unknown quote and it's a quote I wish I knew 20 years ago but it says that I have not come to teach I have come to love and love will teach, and I feel that if yeah, we a, just that's stop, a
1: mindset.
0: <laughs> yeah, if we stop teaching one another and just start loving one another, then we might find that love ends up teaching us as well. You know.
1: Well, the teacher, all the teachers that I ever found that were the most wisest teachers was like, you know, they would come at the end of the year and say, I learned more from you than maybe you learned from me.
0: Yeah. You know, and a lot of
1: times the fact that the teacher was willing to actually listen to their students and adjust and come up with and not be so rigid that it became a very positive experience where you have a teacher that you really... I really appreciated a teacher that I felt like was listening to me and I learned, you might think they learned a lot from me but I learned a lot from them because they yeah. were willing to not just think because I'm a young person that I have nothing to bring to the table. And I think if you yeah. have a mind that like says, well, yeah, you know, there can be wisdom at any age and so your student, yeah. if you think all your students don't know anything, then yeah. what do you yeah. bring into the table? You're not listening
0: know yeah. yeah I I say all the time I um, ghost is um, I have this in my book I think if you're not going to listen to understand someone else and you've just come to tell and to teach and to talk, then you better stay home and talk to yourself. You know but that's what relationship <laughs> yes. is. It's about I'm really listening to understand. And not assume that we know already, you know.
1: Yeah, the way now, right? And the one thing the cool about tech is we we have to understand what we don't know, right? Yeah. And and in tech, things evolve exponentially. So I deal mm-hmm. with software, and what we came to the to discover in software is we have never-ending improvement which means yeah, we never really finished code because we don't know what we don't know. So we can't say it's ever done. We go and we continually update it because we have to realize that we're not perfect and we can't yeah. think of everything that would happen. And then, so we continually make updates yeah. where it becomes yeah. actually, that's the way you should be. And if you think, think about our software now is we realize what we don't know. We yeah. leave it open for improvement and we run an update because, hey, we missed that and we've, or something yeah. changed and we have to adjust. And so it's no longer yeah. just in the box and that's what it is. It's a yeah. constantly evolving product that never change, never stops evolving, which is like yeah. the way life is.
0: Yeah, well, life is even more so ghost because... Like one thing we know for sure about the human experience is that we don't know anything. You know, it's that everything we've been told is just a narrative. Everything we know is a narrative we've been told and that we really don't know anything. And I think once we understand we don't know anything, then we're one step closer to knowing something.
1: Yeah, you have to, I mean, you know, in science, is like they'll come up with, with a with a theory, and then the theory gets, oh, well, that's not true. Yeah, it's like a flat one. You learn, yeah, the Earth was flat, and then you realize it's not, right? Then yeah. you, you discover, like, we had nine planets, and now there's 10 or 12, right?
0: Yeah. You discover
1: yeah. all kinds of, like, oh, you can't, you can't, a black hole do this, and then now it can't. Mm -hmm. and the quasar does this and well now it does that because the the science evolves and whatever your theorem was it gets replaced and you're not so tied to it that you personally take offense that when somebody says that doesn't work right you actually have to be grown up enough to say it doesn't want to keep saying it works when it (laughs) doesn't
0: yeah 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 of course of course and then it comes back to identity right because we same thing we identify with our opinions and our beliefs so strongly that they become who we are so that when someone challenges it we're like no like we're being attacked you know um and I always I always like to point out how powerfully mind is because like you wall behind me, if I told you that was red, you might call me colorblind or, or a lunatic or crazy. But in reality, what if I was always told that color was red? Then to me it's red. Yeah.
1: It's, it, all
0: perspective, it's really it's all a matter of perspective. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's like when you learn yeah. philosophy and like you read about Camus. And Sator, and they they would talk, challenge you, and you say, Hey, if they, you know, the tree falls in the forest, did you you hear it or did he not hear it? Or that idea of perception and reality, you know, because a lot of people just go with their senses. And there's Mm -hmm. things that you can't perceive. Like a cat can speak at a frequency higher than I can hear. And sometimes I can, and I've read about it, and I can see her mouthing things and I don't hear anything. And my daughter says, like, Yeah, cats actually can vocalize at a kind of hypersonic level that cats can hear. So she's saying something to, to you and she doesn't realize you can't hear it. Yeah. Right. And and, you know, and that then I started thinking, I was like, wow, there could be a lot of communication happening between me and my, my cat. And she's thinking I'm hearing what she's saying and I don't yeah. hear it at all.
0: So not only that goes, but then study this. If there's sound we can't hear, surely there's forms of light that we can't see. And if there's forms of light we can't see, there could be an entire plane of existence around us that we aren't dialing into. because We can't see it. Who knows, right? Not to sound like a complete yeah. space cadet. It's like, yeah,
1: it's- No, no, it's totally true because if you think about like dogs and their sense of smell, they can kind of visualize a whole world we can't because they have this amazing sense of smell that they can find things that we can't find. So their reality is they see this roadmap of all these scents that we can't see at all. So they're seeing this other level of reality. Right. And like you said, with those other types of non-visible light to humans, there is a lot going on. You know, and yeah, be, because right. our eyes can't see, there's all this microscopic, there's microscopic worlds within worlds that are going on right now. Yeah. They really exist, and there's all this yeah. stuff happening, and we have ideas going on.
0: Yeah, and you know, um, it it comes back goes to like you know, I imagine people listening to this and maybe saying, well, these guys are talking like I said, are nonsense. Maybe we are. Maybe we are, but here's the reality. I would encourage anyone to really question what they have been told reality is and question everything they know to be true. Because if you question enough, you come to realize that the things you know to be truth and fact are just things you've been told. And you simply chose to believe them. So they became true to you. And um, suppose we were told something different. Suppose we experienced something different, right? Then reality changes. So it's just about staying open to possibility and remembering that we really don't know
1: anything. You know? Well, I think, you know, being being in, you know, a kind of two-sided career, where I have to kind yeah. of reinvent myself all the time. So I do have to understand what I don't know and then yeah. learn new things, you know? And so, yeah, yeah. and then as a mission, I'm a experimental musician. So I like to play with like machines where I basically have, have synthesizers that start from the sound wave and yeah. I create from the sound wave new, new forms and I'm able to kind of yeah. rewire my synthesizer and change how it works. So my synthesizer has a set workflow, but I can kind of reverse it or invert it or just do whatever I want. Right. Yeah. So it's very it's kind of old school technology where I can take wires and rework how it works. So I can yeah. break rules. And and what yeah. I as an experimental musician, we kind of take what we learned at Berkeley. And then the professor would say, Well, you know what? You need to take what I told you and then break it. Yeah. Just, just go against yeah. everything I told you about rhythm everything I told you about sound and just come at it in a different way. So I totally yeah. get what you're saying. Cause my whole career, I've been trying to be that person that experiments kind of at a very heavy level of saying like, why not do something that they told you, you shouldn't because that's kind of yeah. the nature of what I do. I'm kind of an experimental person. Yeah.
0: You know, there's <laughs> a, there's an amazing reggae musician out of Germany. I don't know if you know him. His name a Gentleman. And um, he okay. has a... Li- yeah, he's an amazing musician. He um, he has a lyric in his song that says, learn the rules so you can break them properly. So <laughs> l- he says, learn all the rules. I mean, he-, <clears throat> he said, learn all the rules so that when you break them, you can break them properly. You know? And it, there's so much power in
1: that. Yeah, I think that's kind of like... I think that's when you get to like a guy like, you know, Einstein, like yeah. he came at mathematics and they, they thought he didn't know what he was doing, right? He came at physics yeah. and and people were judging him at first because like, he, the thing was, he was so advanced, he was breaking through, right? Yeah. And if you think about a musician like Jimi Hendrix, he was breaking and breaking all kinds of rules. He He took yeah. the feedback yeah. and made it musical. He Took his yeah. guitar and he re strung it and made sounds that nobody even today makes, right? Because he didn't pay yeah. attention to the rules, he he yeah. totally broke rules. And the, the most yeah. innovative musicians, from Coltrane to Hendrix to Davis, what is yeah. known and they invert it and, and convert it into the unknown, yeah. And, yeah. um, where you know, am I typically on my show? I talk to you know, artists that aren't well known that I feel should be known. So that's yeah. get that's kind of like mission all over the world and show light on people, not just the people who are popular, but try to get people yeah. to understand about people that maybe they should know. And I think you're in yeah, the category yeah. of, of of a person that people should know. And so, well, so uh, I'm we are kind of at the end of an hour road. and I did
0: I, Yeah
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah I just love yeah. being able to talk to tons of people and, and yeah it's, I'm, I'm honoured to talk to people all the way. Yeah.
0: yeah and I'm honoured to be here Ghost and um, thanks for having me brother you know um, it's it really was a pleasure talking and you know as we talked about breaking rules I would say this because I know we're probably wrapping up our show soon but One of the, it is Christmas time and it is the holiday season. And regardless of what someone's belief is, one of the greatest revolutionaries and rule breakers that ever walked our planet was a man called Jesus. And I say that outside of the context of religion, outside of a box of religion, like this man who came and he rocked. He broke every freaking rule. He was a revolutionary. He was a rebel. And, um, you know, we don't often think of him in that way. And we often box him into religion. He was so bigger than religion. Religion can't even touch him. And, um, you know, it is such a beautiful time of year that I would encourage listeners to connect to who he really was and what he really represented beyond religion and beyond beyond what yeah, what
1: I mean, is was, common yeah i mean he was such so a radical that the romans had to punish him because he was going yeah. against the power structure so if you think about yeah. it, he's the original kind of rabble rouser you know non-conformist that you you know some people who are more conservative maybe don't look at him that way Yeah. but if he showed up today i would i would argue if somebody showed up with that type of level, that the people who say they love him wouldn't recognize him because they try to, try to no, criticize okay. him and take him out.
0: Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> so I just thought I would throw that
0: in on, you know, the breaking rules that it is almost Christmas next week and all, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you very what much, goes- Artroy, in every, Yeah. Go ahead. Everybody go ahead. check out you know, TroyHadid.com that will be clickable when we fully publish and uh, so you can go check out the website and it's everything they that, that you're doing and I'm sure your, your book will be on there when you get a publisher you'll be able to get to that from that website, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely and I would encourage people to follow me on Instagram and join my email list. I don't send out too much emails, but I will keep you updated on what is happening. And if anyone has any questions, I am always available.
1: Well, that's great. Well, thank you very much. And yeah. uh, when your book comes out, don't feel free to contact us to maybe have a book release conversation.
0: Yeah, I will absolutely. All right, goes Thank okay. you so much, my brother. Love.
1: Merry Christmas. Save time and be be. Um, be out there and be uh, uh, merry and uh, just be respectful and uh, much. Uh, have a happy new year.
0: Same to you, my brother, and your listeners as well. Love. Yeah.